As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to the Andy Staples Show. It's me and Ari Wasserman on a Monday, and we... We thought we were done ranking coaching jobs, but we realized we were leaving out a significant swath of, of college football fandom. We've gotten several requests for this, so I, I think this will be a fun exercise. The more I dug into it, the more interesting it got. Top 10 group of five jobs. We've already done all the power five leagues and, and ranked them top to bottom. With group of five, when you get toward the bottom, it's all very similar. So we're just going to do the top 10 group of five jobs, which is not just the same two leagues you probably think it's going to be, at least for me. Ari, I don't know about you. Ari, how do we, how do we want to do this? Do we want to go one through 10 or 10 through one to make it more exciting? Um, I think that our top fives are probably going to be very similar. I'm very curious to see if our bottom five of the top 10 are the same. So I think going from top to bottom might be more advantageous for us because the disagreement is the best part. We'll delay the disagreement so that people are forced to listen to this longer. And then, of course, we'll bleed into the random ranking. I think is the is the right way to go about this. I have a sneaking suspicion we're going to disagree fairly early. So let, let's hit us with your number one, Ari. Okay, my number one is Houston. And I think that the when I was first trying to compile the list, the obvious landing point, I think, would be UCF, which I'm assuming is going to be in your top five somewhere um, because of the success that it's had and the location it is in, in the country. But maybe Houston belongs on that same level where there are certain top tier group of five jobs that have uh, recycled coaches and have changed personnel, but have always continued to be atop that that category. And, you know, I was actually talking to my, my buddy Bill Landis about this, but he is wary sometimes, specifically in talking about Tom Herman, about hiring coaches from certain group of five programs because the advantageous situations that they have at those programs don't translate to their group, their power five jobs. And Houston was one of them. It's like because we were talking about how Tom Herman was a can't miss hire at the time and it was perfect. He was killing it at Houston. He had two great seasons. And then you go to Texas, a place that he has a background, and then things don't go the way that they're supposed to. And it's like, is it because Tom Herman all of a sudden forgot how to coach or is it because his Number one bullet point, which is winning at Houston, was based on the program's 
built-in advantages. So to me, I think that's a pretty compelling argument for number one, especially considering the fact, too, that the geography of it, having a whole city to yourself. Now, obviously, LSU but you, and But all you the, don't have a city no. to yourself. I mean, Texas A&M yeah. is 90 minutes away, and it's in the SEC. But what I mean is that when you're a group of five program, you're not going to be going out and beating Texas A&M and LSU for the types of players no. that those programs no. are looking for. Ed, Ed Oliver is the one we remember because he's the exception to the rule. Exactly. But other than that, you have the first pick of the litter for group of five talents. And in a city like that, there is a ton of talent that is going to play in the group of five where you might be able to get the top tier players that make your group of five program stronger, which is why Houston is usually more talented than their opponents. So um, to me, I, I think that it is the best job in the country, especially considering the fact they just built a brand new stadium on campus in 2015. Their facilities are are power five quality. Um, the Houston area is stacked with talent. And, you know, it seems to me that no matter who the coach is, you'll be able to find some pretty easy success in terms of what we always talk about, which is identifying a plan, executing that plan, and proving that that plan works. And I think Houston has that built in already. So my number one is not Houston. But my criteria are apparently exactly the same as yours. You've just ignored the fact that there are two group of five programs, both in places with good players. Both of them have had success with multiple different coaches that have actually been more successful than Houston. So who's your number one? UCF. Right. Well, they're my number two. UC- it was kind of a, a UC- coin flip with these two because it just like. But, but it- Houston was not in the was not in the running for for my number two. My one and two were were very distinct. Okay. The argument between the two of them, and so UCF, same thing you said. Proximity to players, location. They just like Houston, they spend bigger than they are. You know, they may be a group of five program. They spend closer to a power five program. So that's one of those things that, that, that matters, especially if you're a coach looking for the job one, because they're going to pay you more, but also because they're going to, they're going to pay for facilities. They're going to pay for all the things that you may need. So that's where UCF is, is great. And then you've got George O'Leary took them to a BCS bowl. Scott Frost led them to an undefeated season. Josh Heupel took them to a, a New Year's Six Bowl. It says three different coaches that have all had great success there. Uh, you know, O'Leary had a number one draft pick or a first round draft pick at quarterback and Blake Bortles. Uh, they're, they're just, it seems like it's set up for that. And it's been more successful than Houston, which is why I put it above Houston. Houston well, probably you- has the high. The highest yeah. ceiling of all these, although I would say UCF ceiling is is pretty close. Well, they did win a national championship, but uh, <laughs> I will tell you why I put UCF second, and then you can tell me if I'm nuts. Okay. Okay. I put UCF second because Florida is the natural uh, second base uh, recruiting base for like a hundred percent of the teams in, in America. And so is Texas. No, so is Texas. I agree, but. UCF in Orlando isn't necessarily as closely situated to one of the major metropolitan areas that most of that talent comes from. And I feel like Ohio state and everybody in the big 10 um, is it, it Orlando is a major metropolitan area is 90 minutes from Tampa is two and a half hours from, from the, you know, 
center of Palm Beach Broward. No, but Bay Houston County. has more t- more talent on an annual basis than Orlando. Houston has oh no question. Houston has more yeah. talent on an annual basis than any other city in America, probably other than Miami. So, I, and it's like I, right but, there. You know, and I feel like everybody but, else but you, is in Florida and, and Houston can build an entire roster based on the talent that's in their city that they're located that's on their helmet. Whereas UCF has to recruit other parts of Florida, whether it be Tampa or, or Miami or all the places in between. And every other group of five and every other Big Ten and, and SEC school is in that state already. I feel like Houston. But everybody's in Houston, a, too. <laughs> no, I know, but it's different when Houston's on your helmet. I mean, that's like my feeling. It's like when you are. Uh, a program that has a stadium that looks like that, that has the facilities that they are and has success the way that they, I, I just feel but like it'd be easier UC- for Houston to recruit Houston talent than UCF to recruit Tampa talent. No, I, I, I disagree. Now, if USF gets its facility built, suddenly UCF, their situation becomes tougher. But I mean, UCF had better facilities than Florida and Florida state until only a few years ago. So you just got to remember they, they are ahead of the curve on this stuff. They're yeah. going to have a lazy river. Houston yeah. has no place for a lazy river. And Houston, now the neighborhood around Houston has gotten much better. Uh, they don't bring recruits in at night like they used to because they didn't want them to see the surrounding area. Uh, things are, that that neighborhood is, is definitely, because of the University of Houston, because it's growing uh, and, and because of the turkey leg hut, let's be honest. Have you been to the turkey leg hut? Yeah. It's, it's, it's just life-changing. The get the uh, Alfredo and shrimp stuffed turkey leg with dirty rice. It's yeah, it's a it's like a, its own place in its own country, and that's it. I mean, I don't know well, how that, the, hus- the husband the husband wife team that opened the turkey leg hut. One, she is a former Houston basketball player. So it, that, but no, I it, Houston has the highest ceiling. I agree because of there's so much talent nearby. But Houston and UCF for the same reasons are magnets for bounce backs. They're magnets for power five bounce backs who are transferring back for playing time or to be closer to home. And I think that helps too. But like I said, the only other, the only reason I didn't have Houston one or two. So we know your two is UCF. My number two is Cincinnati because this is, this is the Bill Landis theory again, by the way, everybody, everybody's coach there is good. Now, it may be that just they, they're good at picking them. Think about this. Mark D'Antonio, Brian Kelly, Butch Jones, and you can say what you want about Butch Jones at Tennessee. You want at Cincinnati. The only coach, and then Luke Fickle now, the only coach in, of recent vintage who has not succeeded there is Tuberville. And he, he wasn't working that hard. Anybody who goes to Cincinnati and works wins. So that's, that's the thing. Like When Fickle goes to another job, whenever that is, Maybe he won't. I don't know. He's a different different cat. But the next person who goes to Cincinnati will probably win too. Yeah, Cincinnati's my three. So I, I just don't want you to think I'm nuts for Houston. <laughs> well, now it's interesting because we're leaving out the one that I think a lot of people would think would be our number one. And I struggled with Houston and this one at number four, or number three and four, because of the success of this one. So I'm going to, I've got Houston at three because of the ceiling I talked about because of all those other things. Number four for me, and I imagine it's number four for you. Maybe it isn't Boise state. It's not my number four. Okay. So you're, you're, and, and this is, this is what I, w- I kept thinking through my thing on Boise state is part of the reason we, we 
say UCF and Cincinnati and Houston, multiple coaches have succeeded there. That is evidence of an administration that wants to win at football. That's, that's, you know, giving coaches what they need. Boise state definitely does that. And you can say locations tough, not a lot of players nearby, but, and maybe it is, maybe it's just because Dan Hawkins was really, or well, let's go back. Houston nut was really good. Dan Hawkins was really good there. Chris Peterson was really good there. And Brian Harson was really good there, but it may, there may be something else to that, that, that they care deeply about football and whoever's going to be there is going to be able to make it work. We'll, we'll see with Andy Avalos. Yeah. My number four is SMU. And I don't know if that's nuts, but I, it's if, not, it's not, I mean, tons of money. The, the NIL thing with SMU, I know I always bring them up, but they were kind of the biggest, the biggest one, or they, they suffered the biggest drop off because of the death penalty. But they seem like the type of place where people would pitch in to make things work and maybe make a player, make a good player or two come. Yeah. I have always throughout the, all the rankings, I always use geography as my number as my North star and SMU. And now that I live in Dallas for the last seven months, I've actually gotten a front row seat of just kind of how passionate the city of Dallas is for SMU. Like I never really realized that, but um, I wrote a story about it and it did really, really well. Um, a lot of the people that I've met are very loyal SMU fans. The stadium gets loud. Um, the money is off the charts. It's a beautiful campus. They play a fun style of football and they can create their entire roster from, from area talent. And Cincinnati to a certain extent is probably got worse geography than SMU. Um, but they've been able to hire coaches who understand Ohio talent with backgrounds at Ohio state more often than not, who, um, use the relationships as being Ohio state assistants to, you know, go through the state and find those overlooked gems that Ohio state doesn't have room for to make Cincinnati a great place. And the reason why Cincinnati has been successful over the span of, of multiple coaches, I think is because they've identified what their head coach has to have in order to be successful there. And then those coaches go on to be successful and then they're better um, suited for power five jobs in the future. And it's all the same plan. And I think Cincinnati is inherently that um, SMU has had its ups and downs, obviously, but you have a, a person in Sonny Dykes who, um, you know, has familiarity with Texas more so than any other place that he's ever coached. Um, the reason why it didn't go as well as he hoped it would have gone at Cal is because he couldn't create the relationships or manifest recruiting results in the Bay Area um, and all sorts of different things that, you know, he was facing up there in Northern California that he's not at, in Texas. So if they can actually get SMU back on track, he's going to have to do it by convincing local coaches to send their talent there. And he just signed a top 100 quarterback um, in the Dallas area to come lead that program. And the other thing, too, that he's done very well is, you know, conquer the transfer market. Dallas kids who go off to LSU or go off to Oklahoma um, or go off to A&M and do different big time places that want to play earlier in the transfer market in turn come back to play at SMU before their careers flame out. So there's a lot of talent on that roster as well. So the other thing too, that I don't know how much you've spent time thinking about, but when there is inevitable conference expansion, again, which one of these programs is going to be most likely to be taken into a power five or UCF. a power scenario. And UCF. UCF is one of them, but I think all four of the top teams that I have Houston, SMU, SMU, Cincinnati, and UCF are all candidates for that. Cincinnati was a big 12 candidate for four or five years ago when they were trying to do this. So, yes. you know, it, no, it's, and they all, they all make sense for the same reasons. 
right, right. Um, and I'll tell you now, Boise's my fifth. Um, and Boise is probably the, would you say UCF has passed Boise with best group of five brand nationally? I'd say they're tied because Boise State is still a great brand. And, you know, we're not including BYU in this because they're, they're an independent. But I would argue their brand is, is pretty strong, too. Yeah. Um, and, like, that's the reason why Boise State fell a little bit on my list because they have terrible geography. But they're high on this list because they're a great national brand and everybody knows think, that Boise State I, I is good. I think they're similar to what, what we said about Oregon, where the geography is not great, but they have managed to, to overcome that. They, they've managed to, to transcend geography where, you know, everybody knows what they are. Everybody knows they're really good at football. I think high school coaches around, the, especially west of the Rockies, understand that when Boise State likes one of their players – that Boise State that that's sort of a gateway to to more things because Boise State evaluates historically better. Now, we'll see if that continues, but that certainly was the case under Chris Peterson and under Brian Harson that like once Boise State steps in, everybody else goes, "Oh, what are we missing with that guy?" Right. Right. Um and I think like if we would have done this list Andy like 5 or 6 years ago, we probably would have had Boise number 1 uh because it was fresher close to the uh, maybe not, but Boise has been. It, it still has the challenges, and, and we're going to find out because they've got a new coach this year. So we're going to find out: is is it a built-in, baked-in thing, or is it something that has to continually be nurtured? I mean, their field is blue. It's wonderful. I it killed me to leave Coastal Carolina off this list. By the way, yeah, yeah. Well, who doesn't want to live in Conway, South Carolina? Yeah, I don't Come know. On. I've never been to Conway, South Carolina, but Access I'd like to go. To, at, it's a beautiful little town. Access to Myrtle Beach, real yeah. quick. Jet skis, beach, you know. Are neon. you allowed to use jet skis in your recruiting pitch? Is that against NCAA rules? I sure hope so. <laughs> I, I, I think Kenny Powers should just come in on a jet ski and J, like Jamie Chadwell should hop off the back and welcome welcome to Coastal. I think that's so. a funny uh, reference that you put in there because we're ranking on a random ranking. I don't know if you mentioned this, but top five comedies of all time. Oh, yeah. And I really yep. struggled with Eastbound and Down. Like, I didn't know what to do. Oh, with there, it. there's so many good ones we left off the, that I left off my list. I'm, I'm, it's, it's by no means complete because there are so many good ones. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. It's, it's tough. But so I, yeah, I, I'm, that's a spoiler. But I had SMU number four, or excuse me, number five behind Boise State. My number six is the first to break away from the Mountain West and the American. And I put it here for the, many of the same reasons that I had the, the top five where they were, that clearly this is a school that cares about football, where football matters a lot. And they've always won, no matter the level, and they're still doing it. Appalachian State. That's a good That's a good. Um, placement for them. They're a little bit lower on my list, but I think that I can, I mean, they've been a pretty solid competitor since they beat Michigan 15 years ago or however well, long no, it's no, been. Well, no, no, okay. They were, they were defending they were, FCS national champs when they beat Michigan. That, the, the level they've been at, they've won at everywhere, every time. So it, it's a place that, that football means a lot. And you know, I, I I almost put Georgia Southern on this list for the same reason, but Georgia Southern has had some hiccups 
where you know there was the Brian Van Gorder hire where he's like, we're not going to run the option anymore. And you saw that went. And then they had another coach uh, recently that they had to chase off after less than two seasons. So uh, they have not been able to sustain things the way Appalachian State has. And I kind of wonder with Appalachian State because it was sort of an all in the family. It was like a family business for a long time because you had Jerry Moore. He gets replaced by Scott Satterfield, who was his longtime coordinator and who was quarterback for him years earlier. Uh, and Satterfield finally leaves for Louisville. But, and Drinkwitz is only there for a year. And now you've got Sean Clark there. But th- they've still, you know, they won with Drinkwitz. They, they were pretty good with Sean Clark. They didn't win the league. But remember, Coastal had a, you know, the best season it's ever had. And the Raging Cajuns had the best season they've ever had. So I, I think it just means that those programs are pretty competitive, but uh, yeah, I think, uh, I think Appalachian state is a good job. And I think if you wind up there, there's a good chance you could wind up in a power five job pretty soon. Yeah. I think that's a pretty good placement for them. It's, it's very close, but before I reveal my number six, I want to say that we had the same top five. So I was fairly certain that we were going to be pretty close. It might've been a different order, but I think we're all on the same page here. Right. Yeah. The Houston thing was, was the only thing that, that kind of, Oh man, kind you're of supposed to make me because... feel better. You're not supposed to make it feel worse. Oh no. I I mean look, you and I I just feel like that UCF and Cincinnati have had more recent success than Houston, and that puts them over the top. We'll be right back after these words. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not preach you and your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Okay, my number six is Memphis, um, and I th- I don't know where they're going to land on your list. You gave me a little bit of a smile there, but you know the the situation there uh, in terms of location, of talent, the type of um, you know offense that they play, uh, the fact that you know the the building labor has been done, and and Mike Norvell and, and Justin Fuente have come and, and been successful. That team has been playing at a high level. Um, being in that area gives you access to multiple cities in Memphis. Um, and it has a, a pretty uh, clear plan to potentially create and, and facilitate an awesome football complex. So I don't know if that's a basketball school or if that's the way people view it, but Memphis has been a pretty steady competitor uh, for years now, and it seems like they're only primed to get better. I, I'm with you that they're kind of ascending. Because this is this is they would have had no place on this list ten years ago, you know the Liberty Bowl is a dump. It felt like they didn't really care much about the program, but I would say Justin Fuente on. They've been the administration has been behind it, and then the coaching hires have been good. So uh, I I also have them at number six. Uh, so 
or sorry, excuse me, number. I have them at number seven. I'm sorry, they're, they're the next one on the list. I had Appalachian State at number six, but I had Memphis at number seven for this reason. That and they're good players. You know, Memphis is the part of Tennessee that has the most good players, which always complicated recruiting for the University of Tennessee coach because Memphis is actually the city itself is located closer to five other SEC schools. Uh, now and that's going to change as Nashville's population booms and that becomes the the hotbed. But, you know, Memphis always was able to find a lot of those guys that kind of fell through the cracks in recruiting. And I think that's Fuente did a good, did a good job with that. Norvell did a good job with that. There are plenty of good players in the region. You can dip into the Mississippi Juco's. So I, I'm with you that the, the as long as the administration keeps proving they care, this this just keeps climbing the list. Yeah. And then my number seven was App State. Do you want my number eight? Yeah. Temple. Um, okay. I struggle with Temple. I struggle this with is, Temple too. But they've had some pretty good strings of success. They've been up and down. They've had some pretty important coaches that have gone on to, you know, show, but I think it's more so a show that they can do well in bigger jobs and one's a head coach in the NFL now. So uh, my, my situation here is based solely on being in Philadelphia and having access to New Jersey. Um, it has been up and down, but to me, I feel like the location of this in general is just too much to overlook at this point. So my number, number eight, is San Diego State. I uh, Now, Temple, I, I thought about that, and they put good resources into the program when they had Steve Adazio and then going into Matt Rule. I don't know if it's sustainable. I, I think, you know, Al Golden brought the program back because, they, remember, they got kicked out of the Big East and they, they, were that, they were that bad. I just worry they might fall into that again. I don't know that they, they I they created a really nice brand for themselves, really golden through Jeff Collins, which I, I get that's why you're putting them here. That they they had a string of golden Adazio rule Collins where everybody found success. But I, I'm concerned that this is one where it could slide at any point. Yeah. The reason why I feel like it's more light or less likely to slide is just because of its location. You know, we've got we've got teams higher on our list. Like I would say that Philadelphia is a better location than Memphis. You know, I mean oh, they've got yeah they've got uh, access. No, I, think I don't know. It's it's a, better players in Memphis. It's just a discussion in Memphis, at least. Yeah. No, you but, know. Well, no, Philly. First of all, Philly produces good players. I mean, we're we're about to watch Kyle Pitts go in the top ten. That's a Philly Philly player. Um, yeah. And then and then like you said, New Jersey. You can dip into the DMV. You have a lot of good players near you there, but I went with San Diego state at number eight because you got a lot of good players near, near you there and you live in San Diego. Yeah. I mean, living in San Diego is a pretty solid, solid situation. They should actually probably be number one just for that reason only. I, um, well, I thought about it. And, hey, Brady Hoke had a pretty good year there in, in, in his return, but I, I thought Rocky long created a nice identity for them though. I do kind of wonder because the identity Rocky long created for them, was a, a smash mouth, like we're going to pound you old school, kind of almost Wisconsin-like team. What if they decided to just go, you know, buck wild and have some fun there with the kind of skill talent you could get in in L.A. County, Orange County, San Diego County? Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't put them on my list at all, and now I'm regretting it. 
which I think is what you usually do to me uh, when I do something poorly. But oh, you do you do this to me too. Uh, but yeah, San Diego speaks for itself. Access the talent, and also when you go on recruiting trips, you are driving up the PCH. So uh, you know, I've heard worse ideas, and you can you, you know, you, well. I mean, it if you want to take the senior, you're probably driving up I five. Let's, no, let's no, we're honest. taking the scenic route. That's, <laughs> okay. If you don't live in San Diego and you drive the five, you're a I'm psychopath. Sorry. And if you I, do, I called it right. I called it I five. I meant the five because people in California can't call interstates I whatever. Yeah. Uh, all I'm saying is, let's just go look at the ocean. That's the reason we live there, right? I mean, I <laughs> it is it is beautiful. It's just that drive is just insane it's, it's my favorite it's thing a, it's like a car commercial it's like yeah it's like, I feel, like I, I feel like i feel like there should be you know as you're driving word should be passing you like what the interest rate is if you buy this car so yeah i wonder if the interest rate of what your uh yeah your home loan is going to be to buy a nine million dollar shack near the beach you know that'd be a fun thing to see across your windshield <laughs> that, too well but. that's why san jose state what came nowhere near making this list. You know, they're doing a good job. They're really doing a great job at San Diego State right now. But imagine telling your assistant coaches what kind of house you can buy with what you can what you can pay. I've got a buddy who lives in Sherman Oaks and I don't know if I'm blowing a secret up, but he's buying a house right now and 1500 square foot homes in Sherman Oaks are a million dollars. So oh, like that's yeah. I can't imagine what it is uh, anywhere along well, the coastal San, cities. San Jose, San Jose is more expensive than than Sherman Oaks too. Right, I mean, right, Sherman right. Oaks is the is is the San Fernando or kind of the valley. The, um, you know, San Jose is Bay Area, Silicon Valley, and you know I I remember when when I was in San Jose for the national title game a few years ago, I went to get something to eat and I'm messing. I'm just sitting there eating. And I'm on Zillow. I'm like, all right, let's see what I, if I wanted to buy my house, like the square footage of my house, what would that cost here? And it was just insane. I'm just like, I I would have to live in a, like a two bedroom apartment there. Yeah. Life in Omaha would not be so bad. Uh, my well, uh, buddy, your, Brian there's Windhorst. Your, there's your Boise state, your Boise state argument right there. My buddy Brian Windhorse lives in Omaha, and he'll give you a two-hour seminar why it's the best city in America to live in. And him, him that's and Warren because, Buffett. Yeah, uh, because uh, you can your money goes a lot further there, and, and it's actually a pretty neat town. Uh, call me up, Nebraska uh, recruiting coordinator, for more recruiting tips. Uh, but you know, it's just <laughs> insane. Um, okay, so my number nine, Andy, is, and I'm going to lean on you on this because I put them in my top ten. Was was no, wait, was Temple your eight or your seven? Temple was my eight. App State was my seven. Okay, good. I got you. Okay, number nine, and I'm not even going to say anything, uh, but I felt like I had to put them on my list, and I just want to know if you think I'm nuts, and if I am, then I'll change it, but U.S. um, South Florida. That's my number nine. Oh, okay. Good. Relieved. It is a a good job if they do what they're about to say, what they say they're going to do. And you know they're, they're they're building some facilities. You don't have an on-campus stadium, so you got to deal with that. Uh, they can spin it all they want that they play in the same ch- uh, stadium as the Super Bowl champs. Uh, you might bump into Tom Brady, but the fact of the matter is, they don't have an on-campus stadium, so that that is a tough thing to overcome. But if they have nice on-campus facilities, which they have not for most of the time they've had a football program, then 
you can overcome that. And look, there's so much talent on the Gulf Coast of Florida. Like, yes, they get players from Miami. Yes, they get players from from Broward County, Palm Beach County. They get Orlando, Space Coast, all that. But if they just stuck to Pasco, Hillsborough, Pinellas, Polk, Manatee, Sarasota, Collier counties, uh, there's good football there. I think this is a potential DeSoto, play. Uh, DeSoto and Hardy County. I don't want my my country folks to get mad at me. But it's a it's a good potential play, a place that you feel yeah. like has a chance. The thing I will say is the uh, name of the university is kind of misleading. The the good news is you're not recruiting anybody who doesn't already understand that. Like, yeah, if they recruited a bunch out of state, it would be very confusing. Like, you're the University of South Florida, so you're in Miami, right? No, everybody no. thinks it's in Miami. Then it's when, not. Then, then wouldn't you be the University of West Florida? No, that's in Pensacola. So yeah, it's it, it is very confusing there. But the good news is nearly everybody they're recruiting is either from Florida or South Georgia, so they already know that. Yeah. Okay. So my number ten is a Mac school. Okay. Which I think is kind of weird because I don't know if that's, but well, I think good. I'm, I'm glad we, we're going to have every conference represented because my, my number 10 is a conference USA school. Okay. My number 10 is Northern Illinois. Um, and I know that I've said it recently on this podcast that, that, um, Chicago isn't necessarily a talent rich area, but I feel like every team in the Mac can recruit every city in the Midwest, uh, effectively. And nobody, has done better in the Mac than the Huskies, both at evaluating talent. Oh, they're they're and, and, so good in the Chicago suburbs. <laughs> it's yeah, ridiculous. And, and they have, a, they have a, a, a situation in place where things are just rolling. And um, they also don't spend a lot of money and they have money. So to me, I, I just feel like this seems to be a place that you can go and win. If you're a coach, it seems to be a place that can recruit in multiple areas. It also does well in Chicago. Um, and it seems to be a nice jumping off point for coaches. I don't know if you're ever going to be in the playoff discussion like some of the other teams on this list, whether or not they'll ever make the playoff is a different discussion, but at least they're in the discussion. Um, but I do think that this is a really well-built, uh, sturdy program that you can grow through. I, I think you're exactly right. I, that, that's, a, that's a good one. I feel I feel bad that I left them off, but they would be kind of like you know number 11-ish right. there. Uh, my, my number 10 is Florida Atlantic. And it's 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 one of those where you're you're another bounce back magnet. I mean, you 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 better be in the portal hard if you're if you're Willie Taggart at, at Florida Atlantic. But you know, it's a place where they will they will spend and they will use resources. And I, and you saw that with Lane Kiffin. Uh, now I we'll see if Willie can can rehabilitate after the Florida State debacle. But now I think Howard Schnellenberger, who who passed away uh, this past weekend. He's the one who created that program. He's the one who set it up. And, you know, he made sure that they, now he, he didn't get everything he wanted. Schnelli wanted to put a dome on that stadium. He didn't get that, but it's a pretty little stadium in Boca Raton. So they have the resources where you can go there and win the league. You should be competitive in the league every year, but you should win the league, you know, once every two, three years. And, yeah. That's the thing. If you're if you're in that position, you're going to because let's be honest, we're ranking these as jobs. But if you're a coach looking at a job like that, you're not looking at it as your forever job. You're just not. And I think the the administration and the ads un, understand this. I don't know 
if necessarily all the fan bases understand this, but I think most fans understand that. So that one is one where you can go, you should be able to win quickly. Uh, now they've had situations where they didn't, they, they've had to fire coaches. Uh, the Carl Pellini thing was a disaster. Uh, you know, Charlie Partridge didn't work out there, but when they get it right, they're fun. And again, that's a place people want to transfer to. <laughs> if, yeah. if things didn't work out at your power five school, you might want to go to Boca. So uh, that's the, that's the number 10 for me. There were some of these I, I thought about and, and left off the list, you know, temple I left off uh, from a pure location standpoint. There's two that I was curious if you were going to put them on there. Cause I know how much location matters to you, but Tulane and UNLV. Yeah. Like Tulane's in a great location, but it's just historically very hard to win there. Well, Tulane was one that I almost put number 10 over NIU uh, because Tulane has been one of the universities that has been most bought into trying to capitalize on NIL. Like they've spent a lot Mm -hmm. of time with with education programs and trying to put their athletes in the best position and they've incorporated it. We had Troy Dannon and and Gabe Feldman on the podcast. That's right. That's right. I think that's where I learned it from, listening to you. Um, But I'm very curious in five years, once this transfer waiver passes, if this list gets rejiggered a little bit, because transfer destinations and recruiting destinations can sometimes be very different. And it's like, I didn't put San Diego state on my list, but if I were uh, somebody transferring and wanted to play in a place that has won recently, San Diego state would be a very attractive landing spot. So would Boca just picturing Lane Kiffin, uh, sun kissed Lane Kiffin with aviators on getting off an airplane in Boca. I don't know why he would ever leave that job to be honest, but uh, you know, to each their own. I, uh, I was in Boca Raton Millions of month. dollars to coach Ole Miss. <laughs> that's, that's why. <laughs> was he hurting financially before? I don't know. Uh, but yeah, I get it. I get it. Uh, but also, nobody was in their vibe better than Lane Kiffin when he lived in Boca. So uh, I think this is a very interesting list. I know that our top fives were the same for the, I think we we're on the same page really for this whole list, but you know, I think it's just because we we view recruiting and territory and, and geography very similarly. Now, uh, I also think more well, so here, than here, here's there's one I left off, Ari, that I want to mention that would have absolutely been on this list. Might have even been in the top five, probably you know ten, nine, ten years ago. That doesn't make it at all now, and it, it's it kind of makes me sad because you know we talked about Appalachian State as a place where where people care deeply about football. East Carolina is not on this list. Yeah, East Carolina is a place that loves, like Greenville, North Carolina. They love football there. They love the Pirates, and you know they had it going for a little bit with Ruffin McNeil as the head coach and, and Lincoln Riley as the OC. But then they just sort of fell off the map. And I, I hope they get it back because that that's a fun place to to see a football game from. It's a terrifying place to go if you're a Power Five opponent when they're really good and. I just, it makes me sad that they're not on this list because they should be. There's one uh, also in the American that I I wanted to maybe mention too and get your your thoughts on. And it didn't really seem to fit because there's different standards here, but Navy. Um, they're always a solid I, the service football service academy team. jobs are hard. That's, yeah. that, that, it's just, I, I think Kidney Matalolo and, and Jeff Munkin and Troy Calhoun are just really good coaches. <laughs> it's, I mean, yeah. their jobs are really hard. But they're really good coaches, and I think that those are not. I mean, look at look at Army. Army was a terrible job. 
Munkin makes it look like a good job because Munkin's really good, but Army was not a great job. And and Navy, you know, look, Paul Johnson sort of set things up, and then Ken Ken Niamatololo kept it rolling. But it's hard. It is hard to be yeah. that consistently good. So I think I put that more on the coaches than on the job itself. But if you look and listen back to our podcast, uh, Houston, UCF, South Florida, Cincinnati, Memphis, ECU, Temple, SMU, Navy were all mentioned. And even Tulane was mentioned, I think. Yeah, I mentioned them. Yeah. Yep. That is a really good conference. I mean, top to bottom, I think it's a really yes, good conference. I, agree. And I think that you could make an argument that it has been better than the Pac-12 the last few years. And I don't know if it's if that's too much because they don't have the elite level top tier talent, but in a world where uh, college football reform is always a, a discussion and playoff reform is discussion, like this is the Power Six conference, and I don't know how we wow, feel about. It. I'm, I'm Mike Oresco sk- got to you. Mike Oresco put a bug in your ear. It really is though. It really is. They've got really good players. Like Cincinnati last well, I- year would have been the third or fourth best team in every conference in America outside of the SEC okay, well, last year. You, you said, you said the PAC 12, let's, let's see, you know, over the last four or five years, what PAC 12 teams have been, would you say have been better than UCF than Cincinnati? Uh, Oregon. I mean, I guess it depends on what year and what year we're talking about for the other. I know because Oregon had the year where it fired Mark Helfrich, but yeah, uh, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's just like the thing with me is that USC always Oregon is so, and USC I think are consistently better in terms of talent, just talent wise. But it doesn't mean that they're better teams. You know, I don't yeah. know. I think well, I think Cincinnati and, would have been able to beat USC and, and and Oregon last year. Well, and 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 if you put Cincinnati and UCF, because that's that's always the argument is if you put them in those leagues. How do they fare week to week? Week to week, I actually think they yeah. fare pretty well week to week. I think Cincinnati would be fine week In to the week if they're playing Oregon State and then Arizona and then Arizona State, and you know they might not have been undefeated, but I think they would have been a two loss team maybe. Yeah, they they would be in the top half of the league for sure if you put them in there. Yeah, and and I think Houston Houston had that would have that capability. Navy would have that capability because they're a tough out. They're they're change up stylistically, and Ken's a good coach. Uh, yeah, I, I think I think you're right about that. That I will say the American is as a football product is extremely fun to watch. And then you've got uh, Tulsa's been good this the past year or two. That that helps too, but I mean it's just a fun product to watch and you know it, it's going to be interesting cuz I don't I don't foresee a lot of realignment on the horizon. Like I don't really know what moves there are to make other than Let's say the the Big Twelve and the Pac Twelve tried to merge and sell their TV rights as one, which is actually what they were talking about doing before the Pac Ten tried to raid the Big Twelve last time. Uh, I've suggested the Big Twelve should just try to raid the Pac Twelve and take their best schools, but that's a complicated thing too because then you got a conference that, that covers all four time zones. I'm not I'm not sure that's that's feasible. Right. So I just. I don't. I'm not sure. There's another big realignment move, and that that's the problem for for these schools at the top of our list because you know all, all the stuff that UCF's doing, all the stuff that Cincinnati's done, all the stuff that Houston's done has been with an eye on getting into the Power Five. I remember talking to Tillman Fertitta at Houston, you know, that about he, he'll just he'd straight up tell you they're doing this to get in the Power Five, but I'm just not sure there's going to be a spot. I think everybody at at 
the top five schools, at least, that we mentioned on our list has their eyes on that. Again, we don't know exactly how realistic that is or when and if that opportunity is going to present itself. But I think that all the schools, I think Houston, UCF, Cincinnati, SMU, and Boise State would all be good Power 5 programs. There are there are a lot of Power 5 programs that are, that are way worse than those schools. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. But again, it's not about how good you are on the field. Right. Although that is a that is a component of it when that when people are open to the idea of of expanding and I'm just not sure anybody is. All yep. right, that that is our. Oh, let me throw one more at you because this one's interesting. Just because of the amount of coaches it it spat out into different places who succeeded. Arkansas State. <laughs> Arkansas State in a row had as the head coach Hugh Freeze, Gus Malzahn, Brian Harson. Each of them stayed a year left and and went to a, a power five job. Well, uh, Harson went to Boise State, but went to a, a better job. Uh, and then you now Blake Anderson, we know his situation. Uh, unfortunately, his wife passed away while he was there. Uh, he went to Utah State to take that job. I, I, it feels more like a change of scenery thing than any, anything else. Um, but you know, you got Butch Jones there now at Arkansas State. I I actually I think he's going to be fine. He won at Central Michigan. He won at Cincinnati. I think he's going to win there. That's not a bad job either. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, Somebody asked me a mailbag question a while back, Andy, that said, if you could make the sixth power conference that is in in playoff contention uh, based on only a group of five teams, which, like, 12 would you pick? And I think that Arkansas State might be in that list too. You know, I think, obviously, the ones that I made in my top Appalachian State. Appalachian State. I might put... I might put Georgia Southern in there. I it's 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 how much do you care, and how much do the people around like? I want to see a full stadium, and and, and I want to see because I think you can build a brand that way. You know, it's not about cable footprint anymore. the The problem is the the last round of realignment was all about cable footprint. It's all about how many how many cable subscribing households do you have in your area. That's not import as important anymore. Now it's brand, 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 brand. So right, like. Like East Carolina, when they were good, was a brand. You know, Boise State is a brand. UCF is a brand. Cincinnati is a brand. And that's that's what you got to do is is be consistently good. Arkansas State, the Red Wolves, those are your that's your brand of of good Tuesday, Wednesday night football in the Sun Belt. Now, I I would argue that Louisiana Lafayette. Well, uh, sorry. Louisiana, speaking of rebranding, they, they just want to be called Louisiana now. Billy Napier has them building a, a pretty nice brand. The only thing that, that kept me from considering them for this list is that that success seems very Billy Napier based. And when Billy Napier leaves, can it be continued? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I like the idea um, of full stadiums entertaining to watch. Uh, I mean, I think you can make the case that Memphis might be the most entertaining team to watch on oh, Saturday. They they were so much like, and that's that's what interests me about Florida State because when Norvell was at Memphis, that was the most entertaining team in America to watch. It was, yeah, the Anthony and, Miller years. And it could, yeah, can 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 he make Florida State that? I don't know, but that was fun. Yeah. So you're right, and, and I think. And I think the way, you know, the, the Fuente years and the, the Norvell years turned Memphis football into something fun probably helped that the, the Memphis basketball team was down 
at the same time. And, and so people wanted to refocus there. Now they do love the Grizzlies in Memphis. They, they support that team very, very well. So, you know, that's a town that'll get behind a winner or, or a, a, an entertaining product. I mean, even when the Grizzlies haven't been good, they've been lovable. And I think that's what, that's what Memphis's football program, because they're so much fun to watch. They've gotten a, a you know, a lot of support out of that too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm all for entertaining football. So, you know, well, how that factors into the national championship discussion and all that is always separate from that. But these are really good football programs. And even though they don't get as much attention as some of the other power five schools, like I, I'm happy that we did this. Oh, absolutely. And, and look, this is as, as a college football junkie, I'll take a good American, like a good Friday night American game that ends up like 48 to 43. What's better than that? Nothing. I mean, and the fact that we get it on weeknights. So it's yeah. a never ending privilege. Well, I mean, one of the most fun games I've been to in the past five years was, was UCF USF on black Friday in 2017. That was tremendous. That was yeah. as, as fun a football game as I've ever covered. And uh, the, the, they call that place the bounce house because it, it really does feel like you're in a kid's bounce house when when they're going, and you know I I think I think that's the sort of thing that you know we talk a lot about the Power Five schools and look it, I'll be honest we talk more about the Power Five schools because they have more fans they just do yep and we're not in the business of giving people what they don't want exactly there is really fun football to be watched. And, and I know the audience of this show appreciates that because, you know, you guys are listening to a national college football show. You're not listening to a show about one conference or one team. So you, you love the sport in its entirety. So I realize I'm, I'm preaching to the choir here, but those American and Mountain West games and, and some of those sun, like Louisiana, Coastal Carolina, I think it was that a Tuesday or Wednesday night. It was a Tuesday I night, I think. It was a Tuesday. Yeah. That game was so awesome. It was, it was so much fun. It was so awesome. So, and the cool thing I love about college football the most is, and again, people listening to the show can you know, appreciate that, is that college football fans watch every game and enjoy it and just love the sport. And it's just like in the NBA, do NBA fans want to watch the Jazz Kings? I mean, some do, but it just – the only other I, sport I that I think same, is comparable is the, the NFL. Here. I mean – yeah, but I th- I think the NFL probably has more broad base because of fantasy. There, there's more broad yeah. based appeal. Uh, you know, th- there's a ton of Alabama fans or Ohio State fans that just aren't as interested in what else is going on around the country. But I do feel like I think you're right. In, in college football, there is a bigger group of people who kind of want to know about the whole the whole the thing. whole picture. Yep. Yeah. And the so, fact and, that recruiting results, you. recruiting results our domino effect. And if something happens in another fan, uh, fan base or another program that could have an impact on yours. And the fact that it's all interconnected, not that free agency and the draft isn't the same way, but this is going on year round and what's going on at other schools could directly have an impact on what happens at your school. I think it's also fascinating. Well, and, and you know, my, my, rec- I, I dipped my toe in the recruiting waters last week, wrote about a uh, hero canoe. Who is a, uh, he's a German defensive tackle. He came over to California, plays at Santa Margarita Catholic in, in Orange County. And he wasn't, you know, he was going to play last fall and this fall and then sign. 
and then the season gets delayed. So he he played his first high school. He'd only done drills in Germany. So he played his first foot high school football game. They played some club ball, I think, in, in the fall. But his first high school game on March 12th, that was a Friday. The following Monday, USC and Washington offered. He's now played, I believe he's played three games now. And his offer list is, I think it's close to 20. But on Friday alone, he got offers from LSU, Clemson, Texas, and Texas A&M. And that's, uh, that is a, is that the, the kid with the uh, Indomitian Sioux comparisons? Uh, he, I mean, he looks just like, just from a physical standpoint, body-wise, he's very similar to a young Indomitian Sioux. Indomitian yeah. Sioux in high school was 6'4", 275, not, not a lot of bad weight. This kid is 6'4", 293. Very little bad weight. He's a, he's all thighs and 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 butt and all you know big legs and um and and they his coach kind of wants him to to do that Sue thing where he just lines him up at nose and says penetrate um yeah just and that's kill what, everybody that's what he did in Nebraska <laughs> yeah. yeah so it, it, he's got a lot to learn about the finer like they played Don Bosco in their second game and Don Bosco might be you know one of the best teams in the country. Uh, DJ Uyunglele's little brother is a sophomore there, Mateo. Uh, and they, the Don Bosco offensive line, I think at least three of them are going power five, but I think all of them are going FBS. Yeah. And he, he struggled at times, but he had some great plays where when he did get low, they couldn't block him. And so yeah. that, that's why these, these college coaches are jumping in. Cause it's, it's it, when you say, Oh, this is his second game. And and their left tackles going to USC, and their their left guards going to UNLV, and their their other tackle is is being pursued by everybody and his and his brother. Um, it's it's pretty telling. Like th- there's a lot of raw material to work with. So I'm excited to follow that one. Follow Ari for all of all of your national recruiting coverage at the Athletic. By the way, dollar a month deal still going on. If it's you're free. not subscribing to the athletic, do it, do it, just do it. And give us, give us a year, give us 12 bucks and give us a year. And we'll show you why you're going to want to pay full price to renew because it will become such a fixture in your daily life. And it's not just, not just what we do in college football. I mean, when, when the 49ers traded up to get the number three pick on Friday and, and that trade involved the dolphins and involved the Eagles, we had I, I in, in one of our Slack channels, somebody posted all the different stories we had based on that trade. It was like 10 different stories. Every angle you could possibly imagine we covered, no matter what team you root for. The uh, people who sign up tend to stay, uh, so we hope you'll give us a chance. And uh, It's kind of crazy how many talented people we work with and every beat in every sport. It's insane. Uh, and Yeah. You know, I think that you'll like it. We'll be right back after this message from one of our lovely sponsors. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. 
now we have to move on to our random ranking, which if you know, you can read my random rankings in my Dear Andy mailbag column every week, or you can listen to a different version here. Right now, we are doing the top five TV comedies. We did dramas last week. Uh, Mari and I decided to do TV shows. We, we figured we really need to break it up. I almost feel like we need to break this up even further. This is pretty broad. Five Picking five about killed me, Ari. It was impossible, uh, but I, yeah. I did the best that I could. And uh, just the shows that I find hilarious and can't get enough of. So, uh, you know, Wanna should we get started? Number five. Yeah, let's go. Number five. I have five A and five B. Is that cheating? <laughs> okay. It, I listen. This is okay. hard. I, okay. I, I don't blame you. Okay. Um, just missing the cut was King of Queens. I love that show, and it's very indicative of the way my life is uh, in real life. Uh, but number five is Arrested Development. Uh, oh, I think that it one. was a. It's. It had a short run at it, and I know that they recently created some new episodes. But the the first two seasons of that show are. I, I'm very into subtle humor. And I just think that it's just an incredible show. The characters are dynamic. Uh, Tobias Funke is one of my favorite characters in the history of television. Uh, Job is hilarious. Uh, and if you haven't watched this show, that uh, George Bluth Seniors is hilarious. I mean, the whole cast is hilarious. And the writing, I, I cannot, it, I can't hear the final countdown without thinking of Job. Yeah, <laughs> it's just those subtle facial expressions. The thing that i don't like about comedy andy uh these days is that it's over the top and they want to hand the audience the punchline rather than letting the audience uh put it together themselves See, i, I the think times. they've gotten away from that i you know that like king of queens is more here's here's your your joke on a platter big yeah. bang theory your your, your traditional multi-camera network sitcom like i i don't know how anybody watches those yeah, King of Queens is just funny because it's just something like that I loved as a kid. And but like my real, real humor is just subtle, quick facial expressions that help you understand what you might not have gotten if you weren't paying attention. And it's like it's the perfect example is like Dumb and Dumber to me is the funniest movie of all time. Or at least was for a large period of my time. You, you, you and my wife have a, a lot to talk about. It's the greatest movie ever. And in that movie, everything is subtly funny. It's not stupid. It's hilarious. And it's beautifully written. 20 years later or 15 years later goes by and they make Dumb and Dumber 2. And that was one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Because the entire way that they provided the joke shifted. Fart jokes and bathroom jokes and all the the stuff that people think is funny now. What made... Dumb and Dumber so funny the first time was that they were so subtly stupid that it was hilarious. The Samsonite thing, <laughs> the pullover thing, you know. He must I, work just, out. It's completely different. It wasn't even the same type of humor. And I like the old humor where they have to make the audience work for it a little bit. And I think that Arrested Development is the uh, perfect example of having to pay attention and getting the subtlety of why it's such a beautiful show. I, I definitely have a, a have to pay attention one on here in a in a little bit, but my number well number my number five there's there there are some that they they kind of slip in there too, uh, but my number five is Community. Mm-hmm. I love Community. This is a murderer's row. I mean, Donald Glover's gone on to create Atlanta. Uh, he obviously has the the childish Gambino music career. Just 
a phenomenal talent. And then you've got, you know, Danny Putty, he and he and Danny Putty were fantastic together with your Troy and Abed in the morning. And, but, uh, Allison Bree, Gillian Jacobs, uh, Joel and Joel McHale is, is awesome. And then Ken Jong, I mean, it, Chevy Chase was not even, I mean, he apparently was the big problem as they were, they were filming it, but it's freaking Chevy Chase. And they found ways to use him, even though he was kind of curmudgeonly, but I, it just, that show, Whenever, especially when they do the theme episodes, like the paintball one was just, they always brought something different to the table. They were always trying to make you laugh in a newer and different way. And it's amazing that that, that was a network sitcom. Now, I think it, I can't remember where it did its last season. Uh, You can watch them all on on Netflix or Amazon Prime now, but uh, it moved to one of the streaming services for its final season. But it, it was it was just outstanding and, and surprising because I'm not sure that gets made on a, on a network now. Donald Glover might be the most talented human being to ever walk the face of the earth. Oh, it's to insane because Atlanta is a great show. And, and I mean, he's a very talented rapper. Yeah. Uh, I just started Atlanta. I'm on like episode four. And as I was looking through lists to make sure that I didn't forget anything, a lot of people had Atlanta in the top 10 comedies of all time. And yep. I don't even know if it's completely a comedy. So the first few episodes, I thought that, were that insane. was that was when I struggled with because I was like, I where and and there's a lot of shows now that blur the lines between yeah comedy and drama. That one it's time hard to tell. during I was like 26 and um, I was at the Big Ten championship game and I got a phone call from a friend um, in L.A. and he said, Hey, I won two tickets to a private show for Childish Gambino. Be here. Uh, on Sunday. So I flew across the country to Los Angeles the day after the big 10 championship game, uh, after they revealed the playoff field and, uh, went to a undisclosed address because they undisclosed address. And we landed, he picked me up and at like five o'clock, the concert was at seven. They sent you the address to the people who won these tickets. And it was just a house in the Hills. It was like a 5,000 square foot home. Was there like a password? You had to walk in, you had to show the ticket. Then you had to hand your phones and everybody, and they had like Cheetos and Doritos and whatever. And there were like maybe 50 people in there. And then we were all downstairs in this living room in just somebody's house. They rented this house and we were all down there for like 35 minutes. Donald Glover um, is upstairs somewhere. And then like after 30 minutes, he comes downstairs um, he's not wearing a shirt. He just no shoes walks downstairs, gets in front of everybody in this living room, performs, uh, like seven to 10 songs, makes no eye contact with everybody. After the last song drops the microphone down, makes no contact and walks like a sleepwalker up the stairs again. And then that was it. It was over. And it was like Donald Glover was performing or Childish Gambino was performing his latest record for just 50 random fans in a Hollywood Hills house. And I could have like slapped him in the face. I was so close to him. It was like one of the most insane things I've ever experienced in my life. That's like when, uh, when the national title game was in Dallas, I think it was the first year of the playoff. It was the Ohio state Oregon title game. They had a, like a media party for the reporters covering the game. And they booked Casey Musgraves for it. I know. We talk and, about that today. And I mean, there was like I was seventy-five I, people I in that room, there, Andy. I was there. Yeah, 
I know, but there were only like 10 of us by the end of the concert standing in front of her. She's and like I was like, super oh my God, famous this is person freaking- just performing for all those idiot well, sports writers. So same, same trailer, different park had come out. The, the next uh, pageant material, which was probably kind of her in- introduction to, to the wider world, hadn't come out yet. But she was, I think she played some of the pageant material songs. And I just, it was like, oh my God, this is because I, I had listened to the same trailer, different park, like hundreds of times before that, that show. And so I, I was ready to go, but everybody else just kind of walked off and like, it's Casey Musgraves. That's what's wrong with you. <laughs> had she already been nominated or won a Grammy at that point too? Like she wasn't I on her way up. Nominated. She had already been nominated for a Grammy. Yeah. Yeah. She, she definitely been nominated. So I, mean, it's just, follow follow your arrow had been a hit i think at that point and so it was it was crazy and i was just like what are you people doing you're going to play video games and casey musgraves is five feet away (laughs) no i know it's like god knows how much they paid to book her but that was like a really interesting that was my first time in dallas too oh man time flies okay my number four andy uh is entourage because it didn't count as a drama and ari gold because it wasn't a drama (laughs) Ari Gold, I think you could say, is the best character in the history of television. I can think you should say that with a straight uh, face. No. He's a good character. He's one of He's the best. He's one of the best, best, in He's the of the best characters in the history of sitcoms. Or not, and This isn't even a sitcom Ugh. of comedy television series. Let me put it this way. There, there, there's people on my number four and number three who will easily best Ari Gold. as. Okay, we'll know. see about that comedic characters but yes okay. he's he's wonderful the problem with that show is is just other than him the, the relationship between the guys was boring as hell after season one and the whole you know medellin is it gonna get filmed who cares it just i, I don't know it became yeah. a vehicle for cameos and it just i i just didn't think it was that funny also no one in real life would dump sloan sorry yeah, uh, Sloan might be the name of my future daughter one day because she's just run most, by your wife. She loves the name too, so we'll talk about it. Uh, when and if that day comes, your, your but, fiance kind of looks like Emmanuel Shikri, by the way. So. Wow, that's a really nice compliment because I'm literally in love with that woman. Both of them. <laughs> I, I was going to say, I hope hopefully both of them. Is she on yeah. your laminated card? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I just thought the show was also very entertaining. Uh, and I guess there were some seasons towards the end. It's a type of show that you can watch six episodes and just like, I don't know. I just love California, too. It might not be the funniest show in the world, but I just think it's a really, really good show. It did have one of my favorite end of the show fade to the closing credits song. The when they're going to the the con film festival and they need to get a ride and they hitch a ride and then it fades to black and Kanye West good life starts playing. Yeah. That is yeah. one of the great, the all time great fade to credits. I, uh, uh I need to rewatch it cause it's been maybe, maybe I just have it on there because I haven't seen all the new episode or I haven't watched the episodes as an adult. I watched all of them in college in 2005 and haven't really rewatched them, but I wouldn't do, do it if I were you. I don't, I, I it's not going to go the way you think it is. It's just Johnny drama. Uh, Ari, if I, I watch Ari Gold student, compilations. If I had been a college student when Entourage came out, I would have loved Entourage. But I was a grown up, and I, I it it hit me differently, and it'll hit you differently as a grown up too. Yeah. Okay. Well, who's your number four? All right. My number four is The Office. 
I mean, just uh, cultural impact, all that. And I know everybody says, oh, the British one's better. The British one's better. Okay. Well, they, they didn't make much of the British one. They made a lot of the American one because people love those characters. Yeah. And I mean, it just the, the episode where Jan has throws the party and Michael is showing off the, the flat screen to the tiny little flat screen TV and Dwight is crawling around the house looking for, for imperfections. I mean, the giant one. I could spend an entire episode of the podcast talking about that episode of The Office or the basketball game episode. So that's the thing. There are so many just iconic episodes and the characters are really quotable and just lovable, hateable, however you want to, whatever you want to describe Michael Scott as. Yeah. The Office is really good. Uh, it didn't make my top five, but that doesn't mean I didn't enjoy it. I, I actually don't think Dwight is that funny, and I think there's something wrong with me because everybody loves Dwight, and I just kind of he irritates me for some reason. Uh, you, and you know why? The way I, I irritate people, you, I guess. You see a little of yourself in him. <laughs> I mean, you don't you don't grow beets or anything. Yeah, but you but maybe you, I'm you see the, the world from a a different viewpoint. You have very strong opinions about the things you do have opinions about. <laughs> I mean, you're you're very Dwight Schrute esque. I know, but if you go back and listen to all of our lists, maybe not the not the food lists, but the football lists, they're not crazy. I mean, we're all on the same page here. Uh, but yeah, maybe I'm maybe I'm the Dwight Schrute of sports journalism. That, that it's possible. It's I, now, I think that's what it is. And now my top three are just going to be the layups that everybody has, and it will be the same thing right. that who's, everybody else has. So my number three is Seinfeld. Three? Um, goes i mean i don't even know if i have to explain it it's just it's seinfeld you know it's it's a beautifully yeah, written I, show so it's it's you're, brilliant. you're gonna have one in there in your top three that i don't you're already anticipating what number two is then i bet it, it it's related to seinfeld isn't it yeah it is <laughs> yeah yeah so yeah no i i i love seinfeld too i have seinfeld as my number two my number three is veep and i don't know that there's a show in the last 20 years, it has made me laugh harder than Veep at various points. It is just, it's one of those, that, and, and, it, and they sort of build on jokes and just layer things over the top of one another. And uh, it, it's perfectly cast. I mean, uh, Timothy Simons is, as Jonah is, like, I'm not sure there's, better, there, there's a better cast character than that. He's just the only person who could play that. Gary Cole, who I love in everything he's in, was was awesome as the political consultant. Um, Sue is just sort of above the fray, but uh, you know, uh, Julia Louis Dreyfus is unbelievable as the lead. I, I I think people remember Anna Chlumsky from uh, from My Girl, but she was just outstanding in the show. So that's one that if you haven't watched Veep. It's on HBO Max. Every episode, just go watch it. It's you will you will bust a gut. I've never seen Veep, and everybody loves it. And I'm gonna watch it. As as a reporter, you just the, Matt McClintock, Matt Walsh's or Mike, oh, sorry, Mike McClintock, Matt Walsh's character, like he's the PR guy. He's the the spokesman. Like he's entertaining enough, just because you've dealt with so many PR people. That you you imagine yeah. that's what it's like when they go back to see their bosses. <laughs> like, yeah, that's exactly what what we imagine. I just have never be. really been that drawn to politics, so I need to get past that. I it, think. Well, 
the early seasons are pretty apolitical, okay. as weird as that sounds. Uh, it it kind of couldn't help itself there toward the end, but the the early seasons are, are apolitical and because uh, like I never even got into like House of Nevada, Cards, but you'll be able. To, House of Cards was had one good season, and I never got into West Wing. All the political shows about you know running for office and holding public office have never appealed to me. And I know this is a, this is a comedy, so it's completely different. Yeah. Um. And Elaine Bennis is the number one, is the lead, right? So I have to. Yes. And she's Elaine. She doesn't get <laughs> to use her real name. Um, okay, so my number two is be Julia Louis Dreyfus. Julia yeah, is Curb. Lu- Julia Louis Dreyfus. Curb is my second uh, favorite show of all time, and it's just the humor in it. Uh, maybe as a Jewish man, I just can relate to it more because he's got a lot of those funky Jewish friends that I, I, I know. I, I, I like I, it. I can watch Curb, but Larry David, the character, who I don't know how much he differs from Larry David, the the human. Is he's just an unlikable character, and in certain episodes that really works. Like I love the episode where he picks up the hooker, the hooker to use the diamond lane. Uh, yeah, how it's the funniest thing in the world. The Palestinian but, chicken uh, episode is hilarious. Um, there are so many iconic moments, but the thing about it too is that sometimes you hate Larry, but sometimes you can see his point. And like the thing that I love about Seinfeld and Curb, and they're they're interwoven a little bit, is that they use. Um, things that we notice about life all the time as an entire basis for 30 minutes of comedy. And sometimes it's stuff that is small. Sometimes it's stuff that's big, but you know, just picking at the human uh, element a little bit, I think is just amazing. And the, the cast and characters of Kirby enthusiasm, the, the supporting cast is all amazing. Everybody else that's in the show, like Richard Lewis and um, you know, Jeff, his manager, everything that, that, that show has to offer, I think is perfection. So I had uh Seinfeld is my number two and it's just, you know, I think it's, it's about as it changed television. Really. It, it got us out of the multi-camera sitcom and it's weird. Cause it kind of started out as that they had, the, didn't they have the laugh track early on? And, uh, but they, they just sort of evolved as they went and, right. and it was, it was unbelievable. But you know, you just think about, these episodes and, and like the C stories of a Seinfeld ep- of a good Seinfeld episode would have been like a, a three story. episode arc on another show. Right. Like, right. I, I, the one I always go back to is the bizarro Jerry. So it's funny enough that Elaine has befriended a trio that looks exactly like Jerry and George and Kramer, you know, this is Gene and this guy we just call Feldman, but that is the same episode as man hands and the same episode that George is carrying around the picture of the model in his wallet with the, <laughs> yeah, the club yeah, and the same episode. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it is just nonstop. Who's your favorite character? Uh, main cast or recurring? I guess recurring. I mean, those are two I'm different things, Jack- but like, I'm a big Jackie Childs fan. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I love Newman and I love George Costanza and I Hello, love George Costanza's Ari. father. Hello. Yeah. I mean, the whole show is perfect. I, it probably would be number one, but are you, I, I'm very curious to know what your number one is. 
Um, I'll go first well, if you want. What though. is yours? Yes, mine is Family yep. Guy. I think Family Guy we, is the we, greatest television show ever created, and everybody who will probably freak out. Go ahead, I get it. Either you agree with me or you think I'm a moron. There's no in between. No, I, I I like Family Guy, but there is a much better animated show. Actually, you know what? I screwed this up. Bump Community off my list. They're not number five. Okay. I don't know how I messed five. this up. So The Office is now number five. Veep is now number four. Seinfeld is now number three. The Simpsons is now number two. And The Simpsons is one of the greatest TV shows of all time. And one of the, the most interesting things that I've noticed with Disney Plus is how much my kids have gotten into The Simpsons. And they well, love it just as much as I did growing up. Well, the thing about The Simpsons is that I used to love it when I was a kid, too. But it's subtlety. Um, kids just follow the, the storylines because it's a cartoon, but don't really pick up on all the subtle adult humor that's in it. And then when you're an adult, you pick it up, and it's amazing for multiple reasons. But to me, I don't understand how the people who wrote Family Guy think of the things that they think of. Nothing is off limits. Everybody's a target. Every religion, every uh, race, it doesn't matter who or what you are. Everybody gets made fun of equally, and it's all like, to me, we're all in it together. And the way that they make fun of people. But there is a um, show that makes fun of everybody that does it better. Who? South Park. Yeah. South Park is the greatest comedy of all time. Is your number one? I, and, and, yeah. 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 I, uh, I never got into South Park and not because I don't like it. It's just, you know how sometimes in life things just like miss you. You just don't. Yeah. And like well, South Park okay, has always so, been like South Park is better. There are two types of people: people who love Family Guy and people who think South Park is better. And I need to watch more South Park to really get into like, the bottom. I of like it both of them. I like both of them, but South Park is just smarter. South Park is 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 the some of the best satire that has ever appeared. I mean, I think Family Guy is really smart. It's. You're, I think people watch, think it's like lay off childish, lay up childish humor. It's not. I think it's really smart. No, I mean I've I've watched a lot of Family Guy. Yeah. I watched Family Guy when it originally came out. Was mad when it was originally canceled and was happy it came back. Yeah, but South Park is a different is a little different level. Like they are, they're just, I guess, more no holds barred if that makes sense, and. Yep. This may have to do with with where because you you talk about you know you watching Entourage in college. So South Park came out when I was a sophomore in college. So it was one of those shows that everybody that age immediately yeah. was attracted to, and so it hit me in just the right spot. Like I was going to ask, how old were you in 1997? Ten. Okay, so you your parents, if they were responsible, would have never let you watch South Park. My parents bought that me a age. Tupac CD when I was eight years old. Okay, well, maybe they did, but <laughs> you wouldn't have got you like you would not have gotten most of the jokes. Yeah, no, you wouldn't understand the jokes. It's all, yeah, 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 and and that's so what I love. You you yeah. were you were a solid seven or eight years away from understanding the jokes, so that's probably why it. And and Family Guy came out two or three years later. Did you watch Family Guy at all in its original iteration? Oh yeah, or yeah yeah I was okay. I was day one with Family Guy. Okay. The, the so, opening scene of Family Guy, the second I saw the opening scene, I don't even know if you remember it. Just go type in opening scene Family Guy into the second that happened, I was in. Well, you know what the best Family Guy scene of all time is? I think that this has an impossible 
thing to say, but it's, I want to know what it's your Peter fighting is. the chick. Peter fighting the chicken. See, because I think that's the worst. I don't think that's funny. I love, I love Peter fighting the chicken. It's <laughs> it's it's not quite the be- like the best Simpsons scene of all time is Sideshow Bob stepping on the rakes. Yeah, I mean, the thing that was funny about Family Guy in the beginning was that it always had scenes that took longer and then the longer the something stupid was happening, the funnier it got because it was insane that they were wasting that much time on it. But I just like, I'm going to like, I wish I had scenes that I could just play for people to explain it, but I just think the show is perfect. Some seasons are better than others. The earlier seasons are probably the best, but it's laugh out loud funny. And I don't know that most shows make you laugh out loud cackle though as much as family guy. Well, Veep does Simpsons, obviously, South Park does. Uh, and, and South Park, they here's the thing with South Park. Because they were never on a, an actual broadcast network, I, I don't think they ever worried about being offensive. Anything. Yeah. Yeah. Because it, even you know, Seth MacFarlane is, clearly wants to poke fun at everyone, but there are probably some things he can't say or do on Fox. Comedy Central has never been like that with, with Trey and Matt. And... So they've just constantly gone after. There's nothing sacred to them. Nothing. They are uncancelable. In in today, you know, in the day that we call it, what do we, whatever we call cancel culture, they can't be canceled because they have made fun of everyone. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm pretty shocked at how much Seth MacFarlane's been able to get away with on network television because they go pretty far. But yeah. I need I need to dive it's, into South Park a little bit more and, and see if I can. Well. The, the the pandemic special is is pretty good. I haven't seen the vaccination one yet, but they just they just do such an amazing job of skewering everyone. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and and go back the the early ones will hit you will will hit you in the right spot now that you're older. You know, you you would yeah. not have gotten them at ten, but but those early season episodes are are, are pretty darn good too. So, um. Yeah, that's it, it, it. This was a, a, an impossible task. There's so many shows I love that had to leave off the list, um, but you know it, this is this is good. I'm, I, I feel like we've we've got a good representative slice here. So uh, we're gonna have to figure out where where to go from here. Where where out of rankings are we? We're gonna have we, we, we're running out of gimmicks. Well, if we don't have anything to do next week, we could rank um, the best middle tier jobs. <laughs> I don't know. We're, let's we'll come up with something. <laughs> Yeah, we got to stop. We're not going to rank. Jo- we are actually going to think and create some content for you next week. This is this has been low hanging fruit, but I'm glad we did it because it's it's generated some fun discussions and some fun debates. So this is this has been a, a good exercise, and it's something I, I imagine we'll revisit probably this time next year. So, uh, but we've had fun. You know what we need to do? We need to do a dear Andy and Ari episode next week. We, we're going to turn that, that over to the folks and, and see what the folks, that's really, that's what that ranking, the job ranking conversation sprung from was a, a dear Andy question I got. So yes, dear Andy, dear Ari next Monday, you know how to find us, get your questions in. If you're athletic subscribers, drop them in our mailbag. If you follow us on Twitter, I'm at Andy underscore staples. Ari is at Ari Wasserman. You can drop them there too. Best questions. We will attempt to answer probably in the stupidest way possible. Thank you for listening.